Now, with that, I have a couple of interesting. We have a few uh, clips that we're just going to put up. We could turn the lights a little bit lower. I think you'll find them interesting. And then we'll answer some questions. I'll ask you some questions because you're so guilty, but forget it. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian. This is The Daily DC. It was almost surreal. It was a campaign rally-style event from the White House briefing room, complete with the president airing what was essentially a misleading campaign ad to reporters. Well, we've asked them to accelerate whatever they're doing in terms of a vaccine. We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. Medicare patients can now visit any doctor by phone or video conference at no additional cost. That video was nothing short of propaganda. It may have been the strangest part of the president's remarkable grievance-filled briefing yesterday, his longest in his presidency. But he also had other things to say about his administration's response. Quote, everything we did was right. Claimed he had the authority to reopen the economy all to himself. Quote, total authority is how he described it. So, Joining me on the podcast to break all of this down is somebody who was sitting in that briefing room asking the president questions last night, CNN White House reporter Caitlin Collins. Caitlin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So I first want to know, I mean, we, we all know, right? You saw the New York Times deep dive over the weekend. You know, they went through all the things that were missed moments or potential missed moments of action that the administration could have been taking. We saw Jake's conversation with Anthony Fauci and where Fauci said if those mitigation efforts were in place earlier, lives probably could have been saved. I don't think that was a groundbreaking statement. I think that was undeniably just a true statement. But we all know from observing and covering this president those two things combined really set him off into a place. So when you go into a briefing like you were going to yesterday, just take me inside, Caitlin. What what were you prepared for? Did you have a sense that the president was going to be in a really, um, I don't know, a, a distinct mood, if you will? I knew it was going to be memorable when he asked the technicians at the back of the room to dim the lights so he could play that video, something that I'm not sure any president has ever done in the James Brady briefing room before. But we did have a sense that he had this pent up frustration because he had gone two days without briefing reporters. And we know that throughout this pandemic, he's really used these briefings as an outlet to get his frustrations out, to push back on reports he claims are inaccurate. And so over the weekend, when he had no briefing scheduled because of the Easter holiday, that was when this massive report from the New York Times came out detailing just how slow, not his administration's response was, but his response particularly and how he ignored some of his senior officials who were giving him these warning signs. So we had a feeling it was going to happen. And then, of course, he comes out. He invites Dr. Fauci to come up to the podium right away, which is pretty rare for those briefings. Normally, the president goes on at length. And then you saw Dr. Fauci try to, in a sense, walk back his statement, but not really, because like you said, it was a pretty obvious concession that he acknowledgement that he made to Jake Tapper on the, the day prior. And so it was just remarkable to watch the president watch Dr. Fauci try to explain his answer, an answer that seemed, you know, so obvious to the rest of us. So when you 
I know you prepare tons of questions for any briefing you're going to. When you know it's a heightened day like this, uh, do you go in with uh, more questions? Is your goal to try and get sort of, I don't know, detailed information from the president about the response? Or did you kind of want to go in with the goal yesterday as a reporter, Caitlin, digging into the president's mindset, given what you knew about that New York Times report, about what Fauci had said? Was it more important to sort of get inside the president's mindset at the moment? What was so notable is we had a ton of questions about the New York Times reporting, asking him to confirm, deny certain aspects of it. And really, if you sat in that briefing, there were no specific questions about the New York Times reporting because the entire press conference was really about that reporting. And that is where the lens through what the president was approaching it. So you go in there with questions and, you know, every day you expect them to just get blown up and you're going to have something else to ask about. But yesterday was really that because he then starts talking about the authority he believes he has to open up states. He talked about, you know, pushing back on officials in these reports. He's playing this video, but ignoring the fact that he downplayed the coronavirus for so long. So really, when you're dealing with this president at any aspect, you have to just go in there and just be ready for whatever he's going to throw at you because he likes to catch people off guard. He, you know, as he was playing that video and the lights were dimmed, he stood at the front near his aides, but he kept looking back at John Carl and myself and the reporters at the front smirking as he was watching the video and watching us watch the video. And so he, he is very much himself. He likes to put on a show. He likes to watch how he thinks people are going to react to this element of surprise that he's brought out to these briefings. But it's funny because it is the president and it's, you know, this idea that this is what the president is tasking his aides with while we're in the middle of a pandemic. And these are real questions about lives that could have been saved if he had taken earlier measures, you know, just to juxtapose those. It's just, you know, it's really something to watch. Yeah, I mean, listen, he has always and forever will be about him above all else. I mean, that that go to his line at the convention in 2016, I alone can fix it. That is somebody who it is all about them above all else. So you're, you are right to point out that juxtaposition. I guess it just shouldn't surprise us. And before I get to your one of your specific questions for him, was the room tense as you await for the president? Or does it feel, other than you guys being spread out and practicing your best social distancing measures in a small, in that small White House briefing room to begin with, is it is it more tension filled because of the moment we're in, because maybe his mood or he was hitting reporters with criticisms, or does it feel business as usual there as you're as you're conducting that Q and A with him? I would say that the tension ebbs and flows because we all sit down. It's completely silent in the room as we're waiting for them. But then, you know, the briefing gets delayed for 30 minutes or an hour. And so the tension kind of goes away because you're just sitting there waiting. But then when he comes out and, you know, you know how these briefings go, they have a pretty set, you know, agenda where the president comes out, then his aides speak, he takes questions and he leaves. But yesterday we knew something was different because within minutes he invites Fauci on stage and then you could see everyone kind of sat up a little bit straighter in the room and like leaned forward a little more because it wasn't just him reading prepared remarks. It was really waiting to see what was going to happen next with Fauci and how he was going to respond to that. And it really got started right off the bat. So there definitely is a sense of apprehension in the room a little as you're waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen and how can you best prepare yourself to question him on it? You know, when you've got 30 seconds notice of what the new topic is that day. 
Um, but that's pretty much how every briefing with the president can be. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So um, he, in the midst of the briefing, declares uh, total authority uh, over the states. I, this is just amazing to me. I'm not going to bore our listeners just reading the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution, <laughs> but um, I mean, constitutionally, that is just completely at odds with what our founders envisioned, never mind that it's at odds with what he himself had been presenting when he was saying, well, the governors really have to take care of this themselves and medical equipment is on them and PPE is on them and, you know, we're here to be a backstop, but but this is really the governors have to take care of their states. Well, that's quite different from total authority. I want everyone to hear, as soon as you heard him say that, when it became your time to ask a question, you zeroed in on that. Here's that exchange you had with the president. A quick question about something you just said. You said when someone is president of the United States, their authority is total. That is not true. Who, who okay, told you, you know what we're going to do? We're going to write up papers on this. It's not going to be necessary because the governors need us one way or the other, because ultimately it comes with the federal government. That being said, we're getting along very well with the governors, and I feel very certain that uh, there won't be a problem. Yeah, please, go ahead. Has any governor agreed that you have the authority to decide when their state... I haven't asked anybody. Because I don't... You know why? Because I don't have to. Go ahead, please. But who told you the president has the total authority? Enough. Please. Caitlin, take us through your mind. How did you decide to press him on that? And what were you thinking as he was responding to you? So this is one of those moments where you prepare questions for hours that day and it all goes out the window. We had kind of gotten a preview of his mindset on this because he had led up to it with a tweet earlier. But then when he declared, you know, I have total authority, it was it was one of those moments. Sometimes when you're hearing something like that in person, it is more muted and you're like, wait, what What did he just say? And so then you're watching the other exchanges and then typically you have a question, you wanna to try to move the ball forward, you wanna ask you know, insight into his thinking on something, but with something that was so obviously wrong, I, the, just the first question I could think of was who who told you that? Like who led you to believe that that is how this works? Because of course we know the president came late to the Republican party he had been a Democrat before, not even the Democrats don't obviously believe this, but there is a movement in his party within the Tea Party where they were very, you know, stark about federalism, states' rights, the Freedom Caucus, which now the former member of that is his chief of staff. The chief of staff before this chief of staff was also a member of the House Freedom Caucus. And so it's just so notable to hear the president say that while he's got Mike Pence next to him, who used to be governor of Indiana, who likely wouldn't have agreed if Barack Obama had said that when he was in office. And so it's just one of those moments where you just say the first thing that comes to your mind, which was, who, who told you that? Now, he didn't, he didn't answer that question. He, no. he said he would provide some sort of legal briefing to the reporters at some point. Yeah, right? we haven't gotten any um, scheduled legal briefings yet, but we are keeping an eye out for that. What about when he finally says to you, enough? He's not answering. He just chooses to bring an end to it. And how do you judge as a reporter, well, do I press one more time? I've pressed a couple times. Do, you know, in that kind of moment, when the president of the United States, this, who you're covering on behalf of the American people to get information out, shuts you off and just says enough, how do you in the moment decide how to deal with that? I think in the, it is in the moment. And you just decide, is this a moment where – it's worth it for me to keep pushing even further. Am I going to get anything or will it just, you know, 
what is his reaction to this going to be? What's more useful to people? Is it more useful if we just move on and we have someone else ask a question? Hopefully, you always hope that the reporter he calls on after you will follow up if he's not answering a question. That's what we try to do in the room. So then, you know, he can't get out of a question by just going to another reporter. And so it's really an in the moment, you've just got to weigh it. And we had followed up. I had followed up on that and said, you know, who informed you of this? Do any governors agree with this? And he wasn't going anywhere. It was clear he wasn't going to really provide any insight. So at that moment, it's, you know, you just, he moves on. And I mean, but it is notable when the president says, you know, enough to you. I, I got a text from my dad laughing about it, kind of, because he was like, how many times did I say that to you, like, as a child? And just the, the fact that my dad, <laughs> who's not political at all, was, like, thinking, you know, that was the presidential response was notable, I thought. Yeah, I guess he interpreted it as a scolding, yeah. something that uh, he was suggesting maybe you were familiar with. Though I can't imagine, Caitlin, you were ever scolded as a Never, child. Never, because that was I, perfect. I'm sure you were... <laughs> Perfect at all times. Um, I do want to get your thoughts. You've been covering the administration since its inception. I mean, you are an expert in the Trump administration from your perch. And Mark Noller, the CBS newsman, put out this two hours and 24 minutes or something. I think it's his longest briefing that he ever did with reporters, which just is astonishingly long to think about that. But do you think the president's briefing yesterday will go down in history as sort of a unique moment or it just gets washed away, to borrow a term, with with all the others. I mean, do you walk away from that briefing saying that is going to be a briefing we look back on time and again because so much of the immediate press coverage was in that vein, that this was really unique. But from the larger standback of just having covered this entire administration, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Is, is this one for the history books? I think yesterday stood out in all the briefings he's given during this pandemic, you know, these daily briefings where he's come out and, you know, really utilize them since he doesn't have campaign rallies anymore. I do think yesterday stood out because he was so frustrated over a massive story about his response and playing the video and just his demeanor. I, I do think it was notable because he was so different when he first came out to these briefings. He really was enjoying himself and he would stay for so long. He loved taking all these questions. And you've seen how his, you know, patience has really gotten shorter as the days have gone on. And you saw that yesterday. So I do think that is a briefing that will stand out. It's hard to say if when you look at the entire Trump presidency, if it will, because there are so many notable moments of it. But I do think it was one of the most striking of this period that we're living in right now. Caitlin Collins, thank you so much for the work you do and for your insights here today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, I can't recommend enough that you check out how some of our other CNN podcasts are covering coronavirus. You can listen to Coronavirus Fact versus Fiction with Dr. Sanjay Gupta, Boss Files with Poppy Harlow, and The Axe Files with David Axelrod. They're doing fantastic work, so go to CNN.com slash podcast to see our entire lineup or search CNN in your favorite podcast app. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.